Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, here on Joe, together with Guinness. So I've been campaigning for this for a long time. Finally, we've made our way to um, Cork. (laughs) I love Cork. I love everything about Cork. We're going to get into a few... Cork stories later on. He got a nosebleed when he came to Limerick, so I don't know what he's going to be like when he came to Cork. I have the most Cork name in the world, actually. I've gone off script. Uh, Barry Murphy, people are... Eddie O'Sullivan thought I was from Cork a few minutes ago. He's like, you still live here? I was like, no, I'm from Limerick, man. Um, I met a guy in a plane a few years ago, and he was like... How are you after retiring? And I was like, good, good, yeah, grand. And he goes, geez, you're a good player, but not as good as your father. And I was like, did you, did you play with my father? Well, no, but fuck it, he was some player. My, he was one of the best of all time. And I was like, my dad played for Bowes. Like, he was <laughs> it's grand. And after about 20 minutes, I realized he thought I was Jimmy Barry Murphy's son. And I was like, that's his surname. Barry Murphy is his surname. <laughs> so where, like, where do you start? But uh, look, uh, we were delighted to be here, and what a week to do it! Uh, the dawn of a new day in Irish rugby. Uh, the era of Andy Farrell taking over. We could not be more ex- excited. And look. The two of us have been doing this for a couple of years now, and you know, as well as we do, we come up with some ridiculous analogies and comparisons, and for some reason, people keep listening and thinking that we're making sense. And the joke's and, on you. Yeah. It's just that we haven't watched the matches at the weekend, and this is the best we can uh, analyze them. But my favorite one that we've done so far is when we uh, looked at the Joe Schmidt uh, era, and we thought, wow, it's so like the Star Wars saga. And when we got to the end of that, we thought, like, it was basically beating the All Blacks. That's what it would be remembered for twice. And just like the Star Wars original series, A New Hope, Empire Strike Back, and Return of the Jedi, that's what it embodied. But then we realized that, fuck, what came after that? And it was Jar Jar fucking Binks. (laughs) So we then, he called Andy Farrell... Jar Jar Farrell, right? <laughs> Thinking that Jar Jar Binks was going to be the next, uh, I suppose, representation of Irish rugby. We're going to head into this shitty uh, kind of weird saga that didn't work. But we've just realised in the last few days that we're going to put a twist on it. So let me take <laughs> it's you... A, it's a twist, but really, I think we all know what we're doing. We're just rehashing old stories. <laughs> so sorry about that. It's a reach, but look, A New Hope was we'd never beaten the All Blacks and we wanted desperately, it was all we wanted. And we went into Chicago, the game in Chicago, believing we could because of Joe Schmidt, Obi-Wan Kenobi. He had showed us the force, how to do it. We had Johnny Sexton, Luke Skywalker. We had uh, Dev Toner as Chewbacca. (laughs) 
We had uh, who was the little robot lad? C three PO. Um, we were struggling for a role for him, but we, we thought Richard Strauss was Rickard the closest Strauss. thing. Yes. He wasn't in Chicago, so that's oh, an inconsistency. Rob Kearney, C-3PO, quite robotic in his movements, <laughs> quite boring. Um, All these people, um, anybody who's listened to the podcast, the, you, you could be forgiven for thinking that I was the only one involved when we beat the All Blacks. But I don't know if any of you knew, there were loads of other people there. <laughs> Trimby is one of those lads in the planes that floats around the place in Star Wars. Do you know those guys, the fighter jet guys that no one really remembers? So in many years to come, you'll be like, no one will know whether you played or not. But Unless that fighter pilot started a podcast <laughs> and changing the you, past. You were important, you were important. So we go out, we beat them, it's amazing. We've beaten the dark side, which is the All Blacks, of course. Then Empire Strikes Back the following week in the Aviva, they come back and kick the absolute shit out of us. They decapitate half our team. We get so many injuries. It was worse. It was more violent than the time Flannery volleyed that French player. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> um, and we were like, fuck, they're back. Darth Vader was kicking the hole off, lads. And it was just like, wow. But then the return of the Jedi, we regathered. We built the force stronger. Luke Skywalker got stronger. Obi-Wan got stronger. We added little additions like um, the All Blacks were coming to that going, we don't know who any of these players are. Does Brian O'Driscoll still play for Ireland? <laughs> Fucking Han Solo, whatever. But we had the little Ewoks who were like Keith Earls. Uh, have you ever seen Keith Earls throw stone? A stone or a spear? He's really he's from Limerick. Like He was lashing stones off him. So we get the better of them, beat them in that. And also, it dawned on us who... Darth Vader was all this time mm. Ronan O'Gara. <laughs> so, uh, for me, my, one of my overriding impressions of, of Raj is whenever you're chatting to him, he'll sit quietly for long periods of time and then he'll just go, Yeah! <laughs> 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 and that, that coming from someone in a Darth Vader mask is even better. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I love when Raj, Raj affirms something like that you've said. Oh. He's like, correct. I'm like, oh, fuck. I, I said love <laughs> I love Raj. You know, I didn't have the heart. Whenever uh, we did a Dublin live show, we arrived. He was in a Celtic jersey and I was in a Rangers jersey. And we thought about continuing that on. I thought the equivalent down here could be like an, a, a 2003 Ulster jersey with Humphreys in the back. But I can't even do it. <laughs> I can't do it. I, I, I love Humph, but I love Raj. I'm so, I can't even do it. Yeah. I didn't have time to get it sorted. <laughs> <laughs> the reason Raj is, is Darth Vader is because he went down to the Crusaders and he was probably in their ear telling them how to use the force against Ireland. That was our take on it. But then I reckon, this is our conspiracy theory, that he called up uh, Joe Schmidt or Johnny Sexton, Luke Skywalker, and... Remember in Star Wars Return of the Jedi when he picked up the Emperor and he fucked him off the banisters <laughs> into space? It was the equivalent to that. He rang and said, look, if you hit up once off a line out and then go back the blind side, they don't defend the backfield. Their winger gets too far in. Stock table chip, score, and we're under the posts. And that, I think that's what happened. So he's Darth Vader. <laughs> Fuck, we're getting there. We're getting there. That's actually all we have time for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> So we beat them, and it was amazing. And then we thought, fuck, the next era is uh, Jar Jar Binks. But we realized this week that Jar Jar Binks was the World Cup. Because Obi-Wan had, 
he's dead years, right? He was just floating in the clouds. So Joe Schmidt told us he was leaving a year ago, but he's, he's gone. He was gone for the World Cup. We lost it. We didn't progress. Just like uh, in Star Wars, they were like, uh, let's just stick some CGI in there. Like, we were the same, we just do, do some box kicks. Big rand. Same old shit. Same old rehash, just the obvious crashing up and all that. So that was that era. It's gone. But let's, the new let's use era, CGI to make Jar Jar Binks's ears more floppy. Yeah, than ever. Disaster. But the new era of Andy Farrell. What is Andy Farrell? He is Skellig Michael. <laughs> Am I right? He even looks like Skellig Michael. It's kind of got that. He looks like his head has been battered for a thousand years by storms. So he's he's just there, like. And Luke Skywalker lives on him, right? <laughs> So Johnny Sexton lives on his head. There's a birds flying around. And the girl, what's the girl's name? Ray. She represents the new players like Larn Lamour, uh, <laughs> James Ryan, all these young lads coming through who are now going to train on his head and learn from him because he, he represents something a bit more, something new, something different. So now we are back to believing that we're going to win the Six Nations and become the greatest Irish team that ever was. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And this thing is here. The Six, one of many Six Nations Cups, I'd imagine. <laughs> you cannot touch this. <laughs> Um, is that bad luck if I touch it? It's okay if I touch it, right? Yeah, it's fine if you touch fine it. If I touch it. Okay, so for tonight's show, uh, it's been a while since we've been on the road, obviously. Um, so we're going to get ourselves in the spirit of the Guinness Six Nations this week. Uh, we want you all to have a great night here at Reardon's, and they put on an unbelievable spread. Thank you so much for having us. Um, but we'll, we've got a great show in store for you. We've got Jerry Flannery, we've got Annie Miller, and we've got Eddie O'Sullivan joining us later on. Um, but before that, we've got the Guinness Pint Predictor Spiel, basically. So the Guinness Pint Predictor is an app that you can get in your phone that we're all involved in. Yeah, and we're we're going to get more. Our black and white feature, we feel, has been... We've took advantage of that. Let's yeah. say we're going to get a bit more competitive with the black and white, so we're actually going to genuinely test our rugby knowledge. Yes. So anyway, so anyway go on. Match Pint. No, you're Download right. Match Pint, <laughs> then go on, and there's a game inside it called the Pint Predictor, and you basically just predict the three games of the weekend, who's going to win, and by how much. You can stick yourself in a league with us, and then tonight, if you download it, take a screenshot, and then send us, send us an internet on Twitter, <laughs> and use the hashtag, uh, what is it? H-O-R Cork. Hori. Yeah. Oh, sorry. You need the you need the H O R H O R I E to get into the league with us. I have no notion what he's talking about. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, for that. Uh, sorry, we had to do that. Will, will we get our first guest out? Who is it? Do you want to introduce him? Yes. Anyway, we don't know what we're talking about when it comes to rugby, but. Um, this man does, despite being completely spineless and not being able to stick a fully professional coaching role. <laughs> spineless Flannery! Take 
takes the steps. How are you, Jeer? Well, lads. What's going on? Star Wars thing went better than I expected. Oh. <laughs> you made an absolute bollocks of the match point thing. Yeah. You put all our effort into Do you, Can you explain the match point thing better than we have? No. <laughs> that was your job. Yeah. I think you download the match point app and then you just send a screenshot saying you've downloaded it to somebody somewhere. And then at the end, we have tickets for the game at the weekend. Correct. That's so you great. can win tickets if you can, if you can figure out this competition, which we don't even understand ourselves. Correct. Somebody um, will get some information to us at some stage about how this works, and we'll try and relay it to you. For fuck's sake. There you go. <laughs> Thanks. If anyone has any questions, go to Pat. <laughs> go to Pat. Tell him your name. Here's your names down. We'll pick the names out of a hat. We'll do a raffle. Brilliant. Uh, right. Sorry, Pat. Uh, Six Nations Week, but it's also Monster Junior and Senior Cup Schools Week. Fla, what are your best memories of coming down here with St. Munchens College and most likely playing against Prez and Christians? Um, I've lots of memories of coming down here. Not great ones, because we didn't win that often, but uh, mm. I suppose... I was told to say buying my boots in Moss Fins because it's just closed, but I never bought my boots there because I would have my boots with me when I was driving down for a game. <laughs> so I he, he hasn't closed, right? He's just retired. Oh, it's closed. Oh, sh sorry. I, I just had to try and squeeze it in some way. Yeah. Uh, my memory is probably... What is the story with those bags that you all have? Those weird bags with the stripes in them. We would all be coming down and we'd be like, what is the fucking story? Why do they all have these dorky bags? The sailor bags. And why do they all look so proud when they have them? They're so impractical. The bags are about this long. I don't know what do you put. Do you put sails in them? Do you put oars? What, what are they for? Why do you all look so proud? This guy, you definitely have a sailing bag. <laughs> My face is too far away from the mic. <laughs> and the same thing, actually, I think Peter, Amat, I was actually in Paul O'Connell's house, and uh, I said, what, what the fuck is that? Is that one of those sailing bags? He goes, yeah, he goes, uh, Peter Amat, he got one for me. <laughs> this is a true story. And he's there, I said, do you use it? He goes, oh, not really, no, but I just kind of keep it around in case he shows up. <laughs> All right, fair enough. And the other things that stood out from Cork, coming down and oh, coming from Limerick and seeing where the girls have got like, their skirts come down to here. And when we're coming down, the girls' skirts in Cork were to here. And we used to lose all the time. And I used to be like, all of these players, all the guys have hit puberty way earlier than me because they're all shaving since first year. In fact, I don't even think... I think most of the time it was little adults we were playing against. They were putting out just small people from Cork playing against us from under 13s, 14s, 15s, and then just being jealous of all the Cork players. And there was a the smell of dog food. Wasn't there? <laughs> or something. I didn't say that. That's up, a reach. Up That's... around Prez and Christians, there was always a the smell of dog food in the air. Do you remember that? No. Or was it a brewery or something? Can anyone shine any light on that? brewery, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing. Murphy's Brewery, was it? Okay, there you go. Murphy's Dog Food. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have any experiences in Cork? Uh, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not really. We, didn't, we never got to play any schools down here. 
we got beat by Dolphin, but with Balamina, we could beat a couple of times by Monster. Standard stuff. Yeah. Uh, whether we were in Limerick or Cork, we often got beat. So mm. it's it's a bit of a sob story. Do you want to talk about it? No. Yeah. I'd rather not. My best memories from Cork are the two celebrating the 2006 and 2008 Heineken Cup finals. <clears throat> we come down here on the Monday or Tuesday afterwards, and I don't know if any of you are there, but uh, they'd have a big stage in the middle of the, I think it was Patrick Street or maybe uh, Washington Street or something, and it's not mal. And Michael Corcoran was doing the, the, the MC and he'd get us all up on stage, a massive crowd. And by Tuesday, after winning the cup on the Saturday, you're bent like remember we were fucked <laughs> but you'd still be trying to go again and we came in here that night and uh, it was mobbed uh, but they were always my fondest memories or training in Musgrave Park and obviously back then it was different we had to come up and down two or three times a week to train right mm. um, Brian Hickey I think yeah, probably the, big, the biggest <laughs> maniac that we yeah. would have trained with down the here. The core coaches, Declan Kidney and Brian Hickey, being crazy. I remember Brian Hickey would come out and whenever we got to a European Cup game, he would always try and start fights in training. <laughs> so if I wasn't starting, I would try and throw the ball into the line and he would stand behind me as the touch judge. I'd throw it in, he'd shout crooked, then he'd run in and start refereeing and then we'd be in the middle of a mall and he'd start pulling the head off one of us and we'd be like, what are you doing, man? Are you the referee? Are you playing? What are you... <laughs> just trying to start fights which you didn't really have to do because they happened organically <laughs> all the time sitting in Musgrove Park and having two of the lads in the car park offering each other out after training and I was like Brian your work is done here man <laughs> this stuff just happens yeah I remember Dick in Musgrove Park it was the weekend before or the week before the sale match in 2006 and we were in the the little sh shitty old bar that used to be Musgrave oh, Park is shitty, shitty's harsh it was, quaint sorry, quaint, quaint. Yeah. it was yeah, a lot of character <laughs> Um, and we were in there doing our, this is where we would do our previews and reviews of matches, like sitting on those stools that were about that high, <laughs> crammed in there. And uh, Jim Williams was doing a, a pre-match preview before training and he was talking away and then Decky wandered out of a room over here with a water pistol in his hand and started squirting us in the face and Jimmy just kept going. And then he sat down on Dennis Fogarty's lap and started like grinding into him and... <laughs> kissing him and stuff and we were like he's finally he lost it he licked his ear licked his ear i was like he's finally lost it i it was coming but he's finally lost it and then he eventually just goes now can anyone tell me one thing that jim williams has said in the last five minutes <laughs> we're like, no he goes there will be distractions on saturday lads <laughs> like, it won't be you dancing around the pitch, you weirdo. If I start getting a lap dance during the game off a 45-year-old man, I'm going to get distracted. Uh, all right, well, look, the week that's in it, um, we got our predictions for Andy Farrell's team wildly wrong. Yeah, I think, I think Farrell listens to the podcast yeah. and just decided to go a different route. Whether he's right or not, we'll, we'll soon find he's out. Not. He's not right. <laughs> he's not We're right. right. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think Munster's representation has suffered because of probably not progressing from the pool stages. I think, I think it's a fresh team. It's exciting. Um, I'm a little bit... Uh, I, the only place I'd be concerned is possibly how our lineup might fare. Just with Herring at two. Uh, I like him as a player. I think he's solid. With Henderson there, it's just that the Ulster lineout has is the second worst lineout in the Pro 14 at the moment. Um, but I'm sure 
that they'll get it right at the weekend. I'm not sure, actually, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be positive. It's the one thing that has me nervous, but I suppose that's why Pete is on the bench and Dev Toner is on the bench. They have that security there. But apart from that, I'm excited to see Caelan Doris play. And uh, I'm excited to see... I'm glad that Conor Murray's gotten another shot. I know that form is the big thing, and that's what he said he was going to pick on. Um, and Cooney has been the form nine, but I think you've got to take the ability of players into, into, into account as well. So Conor Murray's got to perform at the weekend. He has in the past, but if he doesn't, John Cooney's there. So I think it's, I think it's an exciting team. Monster supporters, whenever they heard the team was announced, Monster supporters went, we are in turmoil. This is crisis. We've only got three players in the starting 15. Ulster supporters went, yes, we've got three players <laughs> in the starting 15. Uh, for me, I think there's a lot of 50-50s. There was a lot of... There's a lot of whatever he decided to go with. You kind of go, that makes sense. A lot of them make sense. Mm. Line out, as you say. Um, back row, it's nice to see Keelan Doris get in there. It could have been Max Deegan easily. could have been Cooney easily. But uh, Connor Murray's Connor Murray. Um, then center, could have been Bundy. could have been Henshaw as well. So there's mm. a lot of stuff that was up for grabs. Um, a few guys didn't train that much, so, so it's not a pure, that's his first choice. Am I right? Uh, Earl Z, I don't think is trained. Addison has been a little bit. Uh, uh, I think he's been whole, ha carrying a knock or something yeah, like that. Those two, and he's, I think he mentioned Cooney hadn't trained that much as well. But that was it was mainly those two. Mm. So anyway, there'll be there'll be more up for grabs. I think uh, on down the line. I don't think he's going to change everything overnight, but he might make a couple of changes over the course of Six Nations. Yeah, uh, Scotland, Finn Russell, obviously yeah. uh, <laughs> out of the fray. What's your what's your take on that? As a coach, what's your take on that? Mm. <laughs> Shit. It's <laughs> uh, pretty... <laughs> He's a Muppet. Scotland are in a shit enough place that they don't need their best player going on the piss on a Sunday. And then, I think, did he stay in his mum and dad's house? And then miss training the next day? I was like... <laughs> so, look, Scotland are, are up against it. I thought they were really, really poor in the World Cup. And uh, I think Finn Russell is a guy who, who can be a game-breaker. But... Uh, Look, they don't have him now, so happy days for Ireland. Okay, will we do our prime predictions now? Will we do them now? <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Let's do them. Yeah. All right. What do you, what do you think? Pops his head. Go on, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Good producing, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't do it. Uh, Ireland by 15. 15, okay. I'm going to go Ireland by 19. I think uh, I think Arden will put probably 18 points on them. Okay, 15, 19, 18. Okay, so get on the pint predictor, challenge us, and uh, you'll win yourself a delicious pint of Guinness. All right, we're going to take a quick break for a piss and a pint, and uh, we'll all come back and we'll have our two first guests on. Um, actually, mystery guests. Do, you know, do they know who they are? Um, while you're on the break, uh, did uh, I'm sure everyone here saw Billy Holland and his wife Lanley on the Late Late Show last week? Yes. Um, I'm sure you're unbelievably proud of Billy and Lanley because two uh, two amazing Cork people and what they're doing is has blown my mind. Uh, they've raised over half a million euro in a week for Cumberland Hospital. Um, it's just beautiful for their little baby girl, Emmeline. Um, and I think what Emmeline is going to 
leave behind her in her memory will just... Uh, thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just been incredible. They will get to name, I think, a unit after in Crumlin, and uh, it's just... I just can't talk highly, uh, more highly about the Billy and Lanny, the most beautiful people. So if you haven't donated, which I'm sure most of you have, if you haven't donated, please go on Billy's GoFundMe and give them a little donation as well. And in the meantime, we'll take a quick break. Thank you. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Pat has come on to properly explain. <laughs> Match point. Right, lad. All right, so here's what we do. Right, it's, it's a very simple four-step four process. Okay. Um, what you do is you go onto the Matchpoint app. Yes. You join it. Yeah. You're looking for a league. Correct. And how you join our league is you find it by putting in H O R I E. So you've found that easy, isn't it? Yeah. What you do next then is once you've joined the league, uh, yes. send a screenshot of yourself in the league to prove that you're there to the hashtag H-O-R-Cork. On Twitter. On Twitter. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it, that, that. There's still time. There's still time. There's still time. Yep. So what happens is H-O-R-Cork, just send it to us. There's two years have done it so far already, so they're top of the class. <laughs> <laughs> they're top of the class, right? So send it to H-O-R-Cork. You get a chance to win two tickets to the match at the weekend. Yeah. The prize is two tickets for Ireland, Scotland, and then the week after, two, tic- two tickets for Ireland, Wales, women, and then also what Trimby's wearing right here. Trimby's wearing two Guinness jackets. <laughs> At some point in the show, he is going to strip two uh, dance version of the Fields of Atenry. <laughs> so Guinness, are, they're not known for their, their clothing, um, but this feels like excellent, uh, excellent quality. I don't think, they, they don't feel like they're going to fly well. I think I'm going to get them. It's going to be you, 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 you. I think the four of you basically are in the running for winning two coats. So uh, <laughs> it's pretty exciting. And I'm roasting, so they'll be coming off very soon. Keep your wits about you. So very simple, very simple. Are you stripping already? <laughs> I just realized he was saying Here, here. Trippy. Do not throw that second jacket. Mind your pints. No. I, I gotta try and get Get the second one. It's like bowling. Let's get that one. They're not easy to no, throw. They're they're light, Jimmy, please. Come on, man. Your chance. Come on. Anyway, like. <laughs> this guy lost his pint, and I think you should give him the coat because he's the one took the took the hit. Oh. <laughs> yes, a free, a free. I feel myself getting sacked in the morning now about this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Free, another point to get us for this worthy winner down here. Um, so that's it. Yeah. Okay. That's, thank uh, you, Pat. That's amazing. <laughs> so listen, two people top of the class right now. They're going to be they're they're pole position to win tickets yep. for Ireland Scotland. So anybody else get involved in the whole night? And listen, I'll just I'll get out of here right now. Okay, and please just stick to the script as much as you can, please. Proddy Pat, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, okay, welcome back to Reardon's Bar in Cork. 
We've got our next two guests to come out. First up, we've got one of the best wingers to ever line out for Connacht in Ireland. 24 tries in 47 Irish Test matches. 25 tries in 40 games for Ireland Sevens. A two-time Six Nations winner, including a Grand Slam win in 2013 and a match winner in a famous World Cup win over New Zealand in 2014. Hailing from Port Leash, it's Ireland's record try scorer, Ali Miller. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> How are you, lads? Yeah. Uh, How are you? Nice. Are you going to buy him a point? Uh, are you going to buy him a point? Mop that up with your <laughs> jacket. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next, a very special man who granted test debuts to myself, Fla, and Barry. This man coached Ireland for seven years, uh, and he won three Grand Slams. He beat Australia twice, beat South Africa twice. Back then, that didn't really happen very often. Uh, a very special three man. Grand Slams. Three old triple crowns. So Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> where was I? Jeez, he was very successful. <laughs> uh, very special man, Eddie O'Sullivan. Hey! Here, Dad. Hi, Thank you. Cork's very own, huh? All right, it's Six Nations week. Uh, we have the under-20s on Friday night in Musgrave Park. We have the lads in the Aviva on Saturday. And we have the ladies in Donnybrook on Sunday. Ali, it's your 10 Six Nations championships in a row. Is that right? Yep. This is your first retired watching from the sidelines. Um, how sad are you, or how hard? Are you in the honeymoon period of retirement, or are you finding it hard? No, I'm finding it great. <laughs> okay. I have uh, suddenly love a great of red wine, so that uh, helps, you know, when my younger sister's on the squad now, so over Christmas when she was doing all her fitness regimes, training, going to camps, I was like, yes, this is the first Christmas I can actually really, really enjoy. So also, a lot of people that retire talk about Oh, it's terrible getting removed out of the WhatsApp groups. I removed myself straight out of all those <laughs> WhatsApp groups. I was like, yes, no more WhatsApp groups, no more emails, no more uh, from the IRFU. So I'm loving that. So I don't know if anyone else enjoyed that, but I seem to be the only one. So. I remember John Hayes, when he, uh, when he retired, he, he pretty much threw his jersey out the window of his car and his iPhone and was like... <laughs> I think Dowling texted a group of us after we'd retired and was like, lads, I was thinking like on, on Wednesdays we could get together and have some breakfast and do a bit of training and maybe, and he set up a WhatsApp group and Hayes responded and goes, don't ever fucking text me again. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're in the Hayes neck of the woods. Yeah, I look, if I could go back and play the five games, happy out I'd enjoy that but every, the lifestyle around it I'm, I'm not missing as okay. much yet you play a bit of cl a club though was that always the intention or did you come out and then realise you missed the crack no, yeah, it was always my intention to stay playing club and I'm still playing provincial rugby. So, yeah, it's good to kind of see a different side of rugby that maybe I wasn't involved in. Obviously, the women's uh, were not fully professional, so you would have played a little bit of club while you're still playing international. So, I'm captain of Old Belvo um, this year, so we're going to try and win the league this year. I've never won a league with them, so that's our aim anyway. So, okay. you know. I know you had a pretty horrific ankle break last year. Sorry to break it up. I hate when people bring up my injuries, but was that a, a part of the decision? to retire or and uh, how is that now yeah it's fine it's actually never been better <laughs> um, no it wasn't actually because I'd probably um, I'm 35 now so 
you know, he wants to do other things with your life. You still love rugby, but I mean, I have a full-time job, so you mean you've got your Saturday and Sunday, and I mean, are you going to go into training camps for all your life, or are you going to do other things? So a bit of that as well. Um, the, yeah, the leg was very bad, but I think I'd been planning possibly retiring that year before that Six Nations when I broke it. And then when I broke it in the second game, I was like, I actually thought I was gone then. I was like, oh, I won't go back. So I went back for another bite of the cherry to finish on my own terms. And now the, I'm delighted I did that because I've no doubts that I want to play anymore. I've no doubts that I could have played anymore. And, you know, you're happy. You're at peace with it. A lot of people don't get to do that. They get injured or they don't get picked. Or, and that's hard for them. They hold that for a long time. So I'm in a really good place with that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Sunday, uh, you're looking forward to the women's game on Sunday. Yeah. How do you think they're, they're shaping up? Yeah, I think there's uh, been a lot of improvement uh, from watching the women's are playing in the women's interpro. There's makings of a really good team. They're really young. Like, there's a lot of the girls that are like 17, 18, 19, 20. Um, unfortunately, the women don't play a lot of games. So we've just seen them in November. Uh, they played Wales in um, UCD Bowl. They narrowly lost the last play. But um, because we don't see them that much, it's hard to tell how their training is going. Now, my, obviously, my sister's in the squad. I missed her by year. So she'll fill me in. But um, like, I think they'll do really well. And I think it's exciting. They've got a nice blend of youth and experience. And they have a big year. They have to try and qualify for the World Cup in September. So it's all leading to that. But yeah, I think you know, they should be targeting the win their three home games. And then you know, they're in the mix then. Mm. I think uh, we're obviously going to get into... I want both your opinions on Andy Farrell's uh, selection and how, how the men will do. George R. Farrell. <laughs> Skellig Michael Farrell. Before we, get in, before we get into it, I know it's... With, with, all, with the Six Nations and Andy, Andy Farrell stuff, but we've got Eddie here, and renowned as a brilliant, brilliant coach, but also renowned for some of his sayings. <laughs> And just before you start, can I just say... Don't try and steal! No, I'm trying to get to I made a lot of decisions. I've made a lot of decisions as a coach, and I just want to say that the three best decisions I made were capping you and Trimby and Baz. I, I, was, I never regretted that. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> no, I, I did drop you as well, so... <laughs> What, what, I, what I want to know, what is the idea behind it? Is there a process? Do you sit down and turn around to your missus and say, Noreen, I'm heading out there for a minute now. I'm just going to come up with a few more sayings to baffle people. <laughs> what, what, is, what is the idea behind them? If I talk like that, she'd punch me. <laughs> <laughs> well, for example... I want to play a little bit oh, of a quiz. Go on, uh, go on for example. <laughs> you want to know why I would use those phrases? What is the crack behind them? Because um, I don't think anyone understands what you're saying sometimes. But, you they, say them. but they remember them, that's the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, uh, let's, let's play a little quiz, Ali, if you'll, if, you'll, uh, if you'll give me a chance. I have a couple of Eddieisms, okay? So obviously, everyone knows you can't unring a bell. <laughs> But I'm going to give you six, and I want you to tell me don't be which, which is an Eddieism, and which don't is... Don't become an impersonator. <laughs> which is an Eddieism, and which is not? Right. These guys are a full bag of chips. <laughs> Eddieism or not? Not. That is an Eddieism. <laughs> Eddie, what does that mean? <laughs> 
they're good. Like they're they're full of <laughs> So I could say this is a good team, or I could say they're the full bag of chips. <laughs> okay. Oh, she's not terrible at these. I'll take you to the candy shop. <laughs> Eddieism or not? No. That's 50 cent, you're correct. <laughs> if I said that, I'd be worried. <laughs> you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. <laughs> that's going to be on your, that's going to be on your grave. It's there okay. already. <laughs> Welcome to the jungle. No, I don't think so. Axel Rose. <laughs> 25 years and my life is still trying to get up that great big hill of hope. Yeah? No. Four non-blondes. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, it's like looking for a Mars bar in a bucket of shit. That sounds like something he might say. But Correct. That oh. is an idiot. <laughs> I remember when I said that. This, I, I actually and why to, I said it. I want to probe wow, this one further. I want to probe this further because I like a Mars bar. <laughs> you must absolutely love a Mars bar. Because if someone said to me, Fla, I've got a Mars bar for you, but it's there in a bucket of shit, I'd probably just say, oh, I'll pass on that one. <laughs> so at what stage does someone love Mars bars so much that they go wading through a bucket of shit for it? Tell me. <laughs> I remember when I used it because we were doing a rocking drill and the rocking was absolute shit, to be honest. And Stringer couldn't get the ball out of the rock. There was bodies all over it. And I said, well, he gets the rock and he might be looking for a Mars bar in a bucket of shit. <laughs> He's got a chance of getting the ball. That makes sense. Uh, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, uh, now, Eddie, I know... You don't want to talk about 2007 World Cup, and you're probably sick to talk about. If I was on Mastermind, it would be my chosen subject. In, in 90 seconds. Well, I definitely don't want to talk about that bag of shit, imagine right? Imagine the bullet you dodged. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't even picked for that. Yeah. So what did I did do that favor? was so bad to not get picked for that? <laughs> Well, I, I was kind of looking at people who might be able to turn a corner, and you were one of them, so I didn't bring you. Uh, yeah. Well, we were all, as you said, a part of the, the 2007 tour of Argentina. Um, so when we were preparing for this, we were like, right, what did the three of us and Eddie have in common? 2007 tour of Argentina. Barry was like, let's talk about that. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> we were like, we've been on loads of tours, lad. <laughs> I was injured a lot. <laughs> I broke my leg many times. And Think of it, man. You were so shit, you couldn't get brought to the 2007 World Cup. <laughs> and we were a laughing stock. Uh, what are your memories of that tour? Just <laughs> entertain me. Which tour? The tour? The tour of Argentina. Oh, it's crap, yeah. Oh, I mean, it was fun. Think about it's it. it think about it. They stopped doing that. That was the last time they had to go on a tour the summer before a World Cup. Like imagine going on a tour before a World Cup, coming home, then going to a World Cup. 
So yeah. that's how you got on the tour. I was making the first <laughs> <laughs> well, One of my memories of that tour and, and touching on the Eddie uh, Eddieisms, the Eddie one-liners, was um, we were in a meeting room and uh, in the hotel, and one of the staff members came in um, speaking Spanish like loudly and came into the meeting room, interrupted things, and Eddie goes, <laughs> thinking he's fluent, uh, "Vamos, vamos." <laughs> <laughs> We later discovered vamos means come here urgently. <laughs> but he still left. He was, it was he very was like, clear. He was like this. Gays <laughs> <laughs> like Manuel. Yeah. Uh, that tour sucked. It was, nobody wanted to be on it. Yeah. I did. <laughs> That's why you didn't make the World Cup. My whole family came out. It was my you sent around vibes. You're too happy. Uh, I remember being in my, in a, getting into a lift with Eddie. Uh, my room was on the 27th floor, and we got in in the basement. And it was, a, it was an old hotel, and there was a good bit of silence threw up, or throughout the hotel. And I think we'd just done a referee's report, and I turned, and I was like, um, the referee's in good nick, isn't he? <laughs> Did he play much? And you just went, I don't know. Fla, any memories that tour? Um, it was a good laugh. I remember we had a we had a big night out at the end, and I remember there was uh, it's probably not it's definitely not cool, but there was an awful lot of homeless people always living outside our outside our. It's definitely not cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's trying to tell a funny story, but it's... Getting very chilly now. Yeah, there was... Uh, someone got cancelled. But there was all these homeless people outside our hotel. And on the last day, then, when we were leaving, we just gave them all our Irish gear. But then as we were leaving, and we were all a little bit hungover on the bus looking out, it just looked like the Irish team had had this massive night out. And we're all sprawled outside the hotel, unable to get back in. And I was like, hmm, we better get out of here quickly. We did have a massive night out that last night. Um, I don't know if you remember. And uh, we were on the way home, myself and Flat. It was about six o'clock in the morning, and it was bright out. The sun was coming up, and uh, Flat had torn the sleeves off his number ones. I did outfit. not tear the sleeves off my number ones. <laughs> Someone tore. It was the like Triple off. H. I just had the sleeves removed off my suit jacket. <laughs> we, uh, and we came across this guy who had a flower stall. And he, <laughs> he was watering his flowers, and uh, he was the only one in the street. And Flash stopped and was like, I'm so thirsty. <laughs> can, can I use your hose to walk? <laughs> and your man was, looked at him and was like, completely. Oh, handed him no to Triple H. You don't say no to Triple H. Handed him the hose, and he took the hose and just started squirting him with the water. <laughs> Your man was so pissed off, chased us down the road and went flying around the corner and he trips over the curb and fell into a bush, right? And do you remember in The Simpsons when Homer was fighting uh, Bart's bigger brother and he pun Bart's bigger, bigger brother, brother punches him and he falls over a fire hydrant and he falls over completely backwards and he's, he's bent in half. <laughs> Flat ended up on a fence like that. I spent hours trying to, uh, crying, laughing, trying to pull him out of it. No, he took me out of the World Cup. That's why they cancelled those tours. <laughs> What's uh, your best chance? You've got to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> get only known. 
Yeah, if only we knew back then, huh? <laughs> but I suppose we do, I do want to talk to you both about uh, Andy Farrell's selection and uh, how. what are your thoughts in his first selection as, as, Irish, uh, as Irish coach? Um, I suppose he's gone for a lot of experience. I suppose I'm down here in Munster, so I better be careful what I say. Uh, <laughs> I would like to have, I'd love to have seen Cooney start. Just in the sense that he's been playing so well. Um, we talk a lot about form. And I know there's different ways of looking at it. You want to have your experienced players. And, you know, Murray is a type of caliber player that he can go and produce the goods when he needs to. But I just, just feel like, you know, start Cooney. You know, that'll be... I'll <laughs> Look, he's been... <laughs> I'm from Leinster anyway, so... Move. You've got to get it at some point. Yeah, but uh, just would like to see them get a shot. You know, like, if he doesn't start... Oh, he obviously, he's not starting the weekend. Will he get another chance to start? I don't know. Maybe he will, but I kind of feel like... Um, I would just love to have seen him in there and getting a shot. I think he de- I just think he deserves it. I think if you're a player and you're week in, week out, uh, playing well, you deserve to start. It doesn't matter what that other player has done. You know, that your opposition, yes, they, they might find their form again, but that's just my way of looking at it. Other people will look at it differently. It's a conversation yeah. mm. between himself and Coney, because you imagine Coney saying, well, what's the story? I'm not, you're not starting. Why? Why am I not starting? Because it's kind of... Selection is a, is a tricky thing, because... Yeah, actually, if, if you're, in, if you're kind of basically, uh, you pick or drop a guy, it's the worst part of the job is dropping somebody because you affect their career. You know, you change their, their value in the marketplace. So if you're going to pick on, and say, on form, and we say we're going to pick on form, like when he had that conversation with Cooney, um, it would have been very difficult for, for Cooney to say, like, what do I need to do to get in this Irish team? Like, what, what do I have to do? Like, he's at the peak of his powers, he's moved to Ulster, he's really did everything he's been asked to do he's the form scrum half in the country and I, I look, I, I'm a huge fan of Connors. I, I said in the past Connor was the best scrum half in the world and he was at that time he's not where he was at that time and Cooney I think is in front of him on form so I just wonder what Andy Farrell's conversation was well you, you're, I know you're the best scrum half we have but we're not starting you Like that's, I don't understand how that goes because you owe, if you drop a player you owe him an explanation you know, you, you know him an explanation. If you don't pick him when he feels to be picked, you owe him an explanation. That's all you can do. And I still think Farrell has got to do what he thinks is right, but it's a tough one for Cooney because, as Ali says, he's done everything he's been asked of him. So what more can he do and not make it? That's all. Did you, Johnny, sorry. Do, do you dread that conversation? Oh, like, did it's you, horrible. Did you dread having a conversation with Barry and tell him he wasn't coming? I was awake all night. <laughs> or was that an easy one? I was, uh, I was awake all night for that, Barry. <laughs> It took me hours to get over. How would yeah, you find? Like, what do I have to How do to get into the World Cup? And do you it's know like it's, 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 it's funny though. The, the worst ones are the World Cup ones because if you drop somebody in the autumn, there's always a Six Nations. If you drop somebody in the Six Nations, they can always come back. There's a summer tour, but it's one World Cup every four years. So when you say to a guy you're not going to the World Cup, like that's four years of work gone. Mm. And you don't do it lightly, but you can still only put 30 guys on the plane as it was then. So it's probably the, the worst conversation. I remember, I remember most of the World Cup ones vividly because they were so important to the guys you were doing it to. And you don't know if you're right. You, you're, like, you're a coach and you make a decision. 
and all you can do is do what you think is right and give the guy an explanation. And he never agrees with it. He always thinks you're an asshole at the end of the explanation. But in some ways, I prefer he did, because if he was happy, you know, I'd be saying, well, I made a right decision. If a guy's pissed off at you, you have to say, maybe he, I shouldn't have done it. So it's, it's a rather complex thing. I think I've only ever dropped one player that said it was a good decision. You know, the rest of them were pissed Go off. On. <laughs> <laughs> he's from around these environs, actually. And uh, relax, Barry, that's not true. <laughs> I probably would have said that. Uh, but yeah. he, he knew himself that he'd play really badly. Okay. And I said, look, you're not in the next week. And he said, yeah, that's a good call, fair play. <laughs> and he left. Uh, back to Cooney and Murray. Um, do you reckon Sexton has a part to play in that decision? As captain, obviously, he's, he's going to be in Andy Farrell's, not in his ear, but that conversation will be there. And uh, the combination of Sexton and Murray is so strong and has been there for so long. Is he going to go, well, Cooney's a bit of a maverick, essentially. So if we're going into Six Nations where well, Sexton wants the ball. I myself, but when I was picking a team, I would get opinions from people. Obviously, the, the people in the room would be the manager, the assistant coach, and some of those selection meetings could take two hours. You wouldn't have a player selection meeting, but you might get an opinion off a senior player. But at the end of the day, that was never going to be the difference. So I can't imagine that Johnny Sexton is the reason that he's gone with, 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 with Connor. I think that's, that's down to him. He thinks that's the right... And I, look... He's doing, we might disagree with that, but he, I think Andy Farrell is doing this because he thinks this is the right way to go next weekend. But as Ellie says, like, it's a tough call on, 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 on uh, John Cooney. Whatever you dice it, it's a very tough call. Mm. Uh, have either of you, what, like your experience, you worked very close with Eddie for a long time. What was your, I suppose, relationship like with him? Um, well, I got my first cap under Eddie and I learned a huge amount. Um, I, 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 I'll be honest um, I always knew you were a brilliant coach I knew you were you know that that you were very very driven you worked very hard but I, I'm interested in, in people are talking about Joe Schmidt and, and how, how he was perceived by the players and they're talking about Andy Farrell now and Andy Farrell trying to have a bit more of a relaxed approach I always found like since I've retired and I've gotten to, to chat to you more, particularly on coaching, I, 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 f I find you a great laugh, really, really engaging. But I never got to know you as, a as, as when I was a player and you were a coach. So w what was it that, you know... Was well, it's a really good question, and I, I'll answer it this way. I'm saying, I, I, <laughs> I, I honestly answer saying, it, when I look back at it now, there is a tinge of regret uh, that when I coach players, I didn't... I didn't engage them on a personal level more. I was, I, I was a bit detached. And I suppose that then people think you're cold and calculating, which you have to be to an extent. Now, the other side of that, the reason I kind of uh, stayed on that side of the line is that when you're, when you're a coach, and it sounds a bit schmaltzy, but you're actually like you're in a parenting role in the sense that you're like, you have all these kids and you can't show favoritism to anyone. Like, who, which is your favorite kid? You can't answer that question as a parent. And if you engage, it's impossible to gauge, engage 30 people 
on an ongoing basis or you spend your time telling jokes, you know, and laughing. So you, you're inevitably going to engage one person or another. And players are very conscious. You've been in camp and you watch who's the coach is talking to. All those body, body images of talking to a certain fella or, you know, having a chat here, a chat there. So I always felt to stay back from that. not to. And then let's say you're, you, you have a great relationship with a player and you have to drop him. You know, it's, it's really, it's even more difficult. So, but I would say in retrospect, I would say if I had it back, I probably should have uh, engaged more with guys on a personal level. But I was, it was something I wasn't terribly comfortable with because I was afraid that it would make life difficult for us down the track. That was really it. But it doesn't mean it was the right thing to do. I would say in retrospect, I probably should have been a little more on that side of it. And maybe, I'm not, and maybe I'm not particularly good at that. It was a business. It was like a business arrangement when you're in camp. Like I, it's all right if I me having chats with you on Monday, you know, before training and having a crack with you, and then I announce the team and you're not on it. You know, like it's it's it. That, all those dynamics are a factor. But I still go back to the point. Yeah, if I go back over, I should probably have been more, more open about engaging. And I, I would say, I wouldn't say I regret it, but I would think you know I'd be wiser after you know after the end of it. Good Ali, answer. 10 years in the Six Nations camp with different coaches. Great answer, sorry. Exactly. Um, on the other side of what Eddie's talking about, um, have you gone through different coaches that, with those different styles and, and wh which one do you think worked for you? Did it depend on where you were in your career? Um, I suppose, yeah, and I think I had success with two coaches that were completely different. One coach who I just had avoid, you'd just try and avoid him in the lift, try and avoid him at meal times. Just I used to stay away, I didn't want to have you know, and you kind of were always very nervous around him. Um we did really well, it was very well disciplined and we did great things. Um I didn't enjoy my rugby as much though. We were highly successful and I played well. But I don't know if I could have stay sustained like that level of, um, I don't know what you call it, maybe tension or, you know, you were always on edge, but we did play really well, but maybe we wouldn't have been able to play that well if we kept going, where then this coach came in who um, was very personable, um, had good people skills, was able to man-manage, but was very good technically and tactically as well. And I just loved going training and I never felt I couldn't approach him or, you know, ring him and not in a sense that you like <laughs> in a weird way or anything, but you know, like um, they, <laughs> they're laughing there. But and I really enjoyed like that that era. I love my rugby and I look forward to every single session. We we did good things during it, but they were completely different. So, but I know, like this is from a player's perspective. I know when I was in the era of the first coach was highly strict. Some girls loved that and loved that, and then the more relaxed, we won't say relaxed, just different styles. Certain girls hated that. So you're not going to please all type of players because we're all different at the end of the day. We all have different approaches and, you know, um, that's just the way it is. So certain players are going to react to certain coaches. And that's why, you, you, you know, if you talk to certain players, well, I really liked him or her as a coach, but certain players like, oh, I didn't. So I just felt that highly where he was kind of very standoffish and, yeah, I could play for a certain amount, but I don't know if I could play a few more years at that level without getting very mentally tired and um, exhausted by the whole thing. So it's interesting. Which one? Sorry, Tinder. Which one were you more success? Were, were you more successful under? Uh, probably the first one, but that that has a thing. Me, like it has a lifespan of that kind mm. of coaching. 
And maybe that's where Joe Smith got a bit of criticism um, towards the latter part of his career. That maybe he had such success. I know, I never, obviously, I don't know. We, he came in and coached us a few times with the Irish women, and he was brilliant, and I really enjoyed him, enjoyed the sessions. Um, but does that have a certain shelf life? I don't know. Can you, like, did those group of players after a while so not able to keep mentally, I don't know what the word is, fresh under that kind of regime? And maybe this is why a different approach with Andy Farrell just might be the thing that's needed. Suddenly you just need a different approach. And we all have to adapt. And that sport is like that. You're going to have to adapt to what things change and coach will bring a different approach. And like in order to be successful as an athlete, you're going to have to be adaptable. So maybe you got used to doing something and someone comes in and mixes it up. Well, you've got to go with it. Like, you know, so it's interesting. But I suppose that's maybe where it fell down at the World Cup. That, that highly... You know, it's very it was controlled the media and everything. And I definitely felt maybe Joe Smith. I like I, you know, I'd be fairly observant. I just think he got a little bit more defensive the last year or two about a lot of things, even just interviews and fairly basic questions. So maybe there's a time and place for that. But what's the time span of that level, that style? I don't know. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie, your your take on 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 where the team is going to go now under Andy Farrell? Like what? Like, you know better than anyone else how limited the, the time frame is that he's got to come in and get those players and put his stamp on the team. How much can he change? How, wh- how different do you think that Irish team is going to look from um, a playing-wise? I, I think he has a couple of advantages uh, at the moment that are going to be in his favour if he wants to take those advantages. One is he's been around the team. So if, you, if you're coming in fresh as a head coach and you have never been involved with the group... You, you have a lot of, of people to get to know. You've got, you, they've got to figure out the way you communicate. But he's been around that team now for a few years. So the, the lads know him. Um, no, that doesn't mean he won't have to put his stamp on it. So he has that advantage too. He knows the players, their skills. He knows how they operate under pressure. Uh, he also has been part of that team. And I think Ireland, the Irish journey is interesting under Joe Schmidt because I thought in 2018 Ireland were just phenomenal. They were absolutely phenomenal. They won the Grand Slam. They, they beat the All Blacks. It was just like they, were, they weren't picking their powers. And for some reason in, 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 in 19, they went into themselves. They changed, became very narrow, very attritional. And the, the signs were there on the Six Nations. If you go back to the last Six Nations, we lost the two big ones badly. We got well beaten by England and well beaten by Wales, and our game plan wasn't working. Now, that to, to your question, Andy Farrell has been through all that. He's been, he's been, you know, an, an integral part of it, although not the head coach. So he all he all he has to do is kind of make a few adjustments and go back more towards what they were doing in '18. What they were doing in '18 was brilliant, and it's an evolution, not a revolution. So I think if he if he Ireland run with the ball a bit more, back out of the box kick, back out of the one-off runners, when you make line breaks, move the ball two passes away and see what happens instead of playing in, in an area this, the size of the back of a car, you know, for, for 50 phases. You know, and that's became our MO, you know. And, and that was not what we were in 18. So I think, to your question, he can transition to that form of 18 because he knows the players, he knows their strengths and weaknesses, and people want to go there as well. So I think he's in a good place. Now, the final thing in his favour, not putting any pressure on him, is that this fixture list is really good, all right? You've got two games at home. Scotland, 
like we should beat Scotland, you know, we're tum- and I'm not trying to be an ass, but we Scotland have won three times against Ireland in the Six Nations in 20 years. So like, let's not get carried away. This is Scotland we're playing. We should put them to the sword. Job done. Wales, all right. We still have a good right car in Dublin. So it all hinges in Twickenham. If we go to Twickenham, we'll have two wins going to Twickenham. If we win in Twickenham, we're going to Paris three weeks later for a Grand Slam. So look, that, that could be, a, this year could be massive. So like, the pathway is there for him. But he, he does probably, the thing you'll probably look for is, are we, are we starting to expand or you know, spread our wings a bit in the first two games? Because we're going to have to do that to succeed in Twickenham. We won't go to Twickenham and beat England up and, and come home with a, with a win. So the first two games are going to be critical if he has the, the, the wherewithal to get that happening again. And that, that's what I'm looking for next weekend and the weekend after. Did you always prefer the, this fixture list, the three home matches with the two French and England one away, yeah. or that, having France and England who are obviously going to be... It's different, no, because... In my time, France were, were fucking really hard to beat. I mean, they were... I, I, we lost... We lost... Uh, we effectively lost three or three championships to France. You know, if you think about it. There was the one, the one in Croker that went in the last minute. Uh, we lost one in 07, where they got a jammy try against Scotland that nobody saw, and we were in Rome. Mm. You know, like, there was a few of those... Like, those games... So France were a nightmare back then under Laporte and that, but France are, France are not the same team they were 10 or 15 years ago. So we've beaten France comfortably. So at the moment, it really hinges on, this is a good fixture because you really have to go to Twickenham. And let's be honest, Twickenham's not the most difficult place to win. It is tough, but it's, we can win there. We know we can win there. So that's why in my time, you were always looking, can you win in London and Paris the same season? It's a tough one. You know, whereas now that's not the same problem. The problem now is definitely Twickenham. And I, I give credit, we used to kick the snot out of the Welsh in Dublin and always have to dig one out away. And you don't know what the Welsh, what they'll show up with, but our record in Dublin is good. So I think this is the fixture I would like, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, <clears throat> can I just, I just want to ask a question because this came up a lot after the World Cup and it used to piss me off all the time. But I've, I've never been in the position, but you have. When people talk about, like, oh, we flopped at another World Cup, why don't we just, this notion of why don't we just sacrifice the Six Nations and focus on the World Cup four years down the line? But to me, that has always sounded so ridiculous that you can just go out and just say, I'm just going to blood players and sacrifice results. As, as, as a national head coach for seven, eight years, like, is, is that feasible? No. Can, a, can a coach be afforded well, it's, that? It's not feasible for a number of really good reasons. One is... Uh, if you start that as a head coach, you won't be around for the World Cup. You'll be, you get your P45. And you're told by the RFU, the RFU say every year the Six Nations is a benchmark. You better do as well as you can. You don't have to win the Six Nations every year. Like, in the 90s, uh, if we won two championship games every year, we'd be celebrating. Now, if you win two championship games, you get your P45. So it's changed. The expectations change. So... One is, it's a benchmark for the RFU. Two, the money involved. Now, the money is not just the prize money, it's or the television money. It's the fact that if we win a Grand Slam or we win a championship, the number of tickets that can be sold, the sponsorship deals go up, the, the number of jerseys you sell, the merchandising. Like, it's a cash cow in terms of getting our, our, our up in, ourselves up at the, in the top four of the world rankings. So you can't write off three years and then say, oh, it'll be all right on the night. Like it's, and, and then how do you carry 
if you pl if you're a team like Ireland, if you're on a bungee cord for three years, you win one, you lose one, la la. The, the, like the supporters won't, don't want that. But we still want to win next weekend. We don't care about the World Cup in, in France in four years' time. So it's it's a fairly empty argument when you un, unpack it like that. Like, and I don't know any coach that's saying, yeah, it's all about the World Cup. No, I know the French are the way they pick their squad. And Laporte, here's a good story about Laporte. Is Laporte was a coach in 07, and they beat New Zealand, and they lost to England in the semi-final, and they were in France. And Laporte, I know Laporte, he's a really, really smart guy. He's a really smart coach. He became president back three or four years ago. One reason and one reason only to win the World Cup in France in 23. And he was the guy that made sure I went to France. Like, he, he took it away from Ireland with the way he, he politics the way around it. So, like, they're taking a long-term view. But I wouldn't say, if they have two bad Six Nations, um, you know, they'll fire their coach. Like, they won't wear it for four years. So, it's an empty argument, really, mm. uh, in my view. And I think there's, you know... 10 better reasons for, for competing every year and then try, try your hat and see what happens in the World Cup. Okay, based on Andy Farrell's uh, selection and <coughs> I suppose how we're shaping off up, uh, predictions for the weekend and predictions for who you think will come out on top uh, at the end of the Six Nations. Coach, you first, Ed. I think we'll, we'll go to Twickenham with two wins. Um, yeah. I, I would agree... With Fla there, he's mentioned earlier. The one thing that, that will cause us trouble next Saturday is our lineout. I just have a little fear that we've two banker jumpers in our lineout, and we've uh, you know two Ulster players, the hooker and the jumper, who haven't been going well. So I think if Scotland could cause us trouble, but um, that aside, I think we'll beat Scotland. We'll beat Wales. I think. I think Twickenham is the one, and I don't know if we'll beat. I I, I don't know what England are going to be like because England. If you think of the English players, their, their, their lives kind of vanished at the World Cup and that everything for the last three years or four years is World Cup, World Cup. And then when they went into the World Cup, they come out the far side and they haven't won the World Cup. So Eddie Jones has to recalibrate everything, reset everything, re-energise guys. And he's got mainly the same squad. He's changed his coaches around to be freshness. But I don't know what England are going to bring. So... We'd have a better picture of that when we get to, before we get to Twickenham. But if we can win in Twickenham, I think we go on and win a Grand Slam. I, and I'm really optimistic about it. So I, I'd be I'd be glass definitely half full and filling. Brilliant. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Michael. Yeah, I think like we're going to win at the weekend, and I think a lot will. Um, I suppose how momentum then, how we got on, but, you know, England might cause a problem. Um, I think, French. yeah, like, you just don't know what you're going to get with the French ever, which is great, because yeah. they, they're, they're capable of being fantastic one week and then the following week, so you don't know when they could produce that good game. It could that be against us, against someone else, you don't know. So I... I'm not wanting to look too far ahead, so I'm just going to think they're going to win this weekend, and I think they get a good performance, play well, and then get a bit of confidence up. I think, you know, they could they could do something, but time will tell, and the momentum that they get, and performances, and a little bit of confidence, because all these players have had 
lot of them have a tough World Cup. Mm. They need to get the confidence up again. And it's great to see, say, Andrew Conway playing. I think maybe Earl's knock or whatever has brought him in there, but he deserves that starting position. He was the most informed back in the World Cup. So it's great to see him get a shot and see what he can do. Um, he works hard at it. So players like that. And I think it's interesting what you were just saying about the long-term, short-term view of getting to a World Cup. I just look at it a bit little different. Say, in this year's Six Nations, in the run-up to the World Cup, we consistently played players that were maybe at a certain age profile that weren't playing well. And maybe it's not that you're trying to not, like, not that a coach is going out there not to win a Six Nations, but if you're coming into a World Cup like we were last year in 2019, into the World Cup, and there's a few players that are getting to a certain age profile not playing well, well, why don't you play the informed players for those games leading into the World Cup? So those players then, during that summer, have played a bit more. There's a, more opportunities and then you're in a better position. But that doesn't mean you're not trying to lose the Six Nations. But it's a short, like, you're looking ahead to that World Cup. But I just think that was, I just meant to say it when you were saying it there, that I think that's a way of looking at it, you know? You know, you're not going, well, and trust this guy, trust this guy. But he's not performing, he's not performing, he's not performing. And then he still goes plays in a World Cup um, and then doesn't perform in that World Cup. So maybe we could look at it like that even. I think it's interesting, you know? Woo! <laughs> Okay, well, you've got the inside scoop on what way results might go. And look, I'm not sure if any of you remember, but earlier tonight we were talking about Match Pint. <laughs> <laughs> and we asked you to join in the House of Rugby League on the Match Pint app and send us a screenshot of yourself in the league. Producer Pat has selected two of you to come up on stage. I hope there's more than just the two that entered earlier on. Both of you were such good sports, we're going to give you both uh, tickets for the game. Is that right, Pat? Both tickets for the game. Well done, lads. Two tickets go, each for the Irish match. Uh, congratulations. Um, look, I think, lads, we've had an unbelievable night. Thank you all so much for coming. Uh, give yourselves a round of applause, first and foremost. Uh, Thank you to Reardon's in Cork for putting on an unbelievable spread. And uh, the nightclub is open upstairs afterwards. Uh, Trippy's going to be stripping up there to the field path and right if anyone wants to go. Uh, thank you to Ali and thank you to Eddie O'Sullivan for, for coming on and for, uh, for chatting to us. Cheers to everyone involved in making the show. Uh, this has been Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe. Together with Guinness, party on. Party on. <laughs> you were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe. Together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.